0: Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, not been feeling like itself. How about now? I talked to Kimberly Inez McGuire of URGE. Unite for reproductive and gender equity about the loss of fundamental rights. Plus, Biz is pissed. Hello. I'd like Hello. to do with Biz. You can!
1: Woo-hoo! woo Biz,
2: for the first time since my little person has been born, and she is a newly minted six-year-old last week, I have the house to myself. My husband and my little person... And the dog are all gone. And I have all my things and all my house and the sole possession of the remote control (laughs) all by myself. I went to the movies last night, and I didn't have to share my popcorn. I didn't have to pick and choose what I wanted because maybe someone else was going to be sharing with me, and they didn't like my choices. I ate breakfast this morning that I love. I'm making supper tonight that the hubby doesn't enjoy because sometimes he's a culinary weirdo. I have the whole weekend where I'm not responsible for anybody but myself. Of course, I love them, and I do miss them, and wish (laughs) I could be there. Blah, blah. But this bliss that I haven't had, uh, no responsibility, just heaven, heaven. I'm having a grand old time. All by myself. (laughs) You're doing a great job, Biz. We love you all by
0: myself. Don't want to be. Wait, no, I do want to be. I want to be all by myself. I did not miss the fact that you said six years. Okay. I did not miss that. You know, I think before kids, it's easy to think that's a lie. (laughs) You've been by yourself. (laughs) And then, and then you learn, maybe it's not a lie. Maybe you haven't. Truly been alone in your own house in years, like truly alone. Like the thing about a weekend is that you're not like racing like a five hour clock. Like, let's say they go away for like five hours or six hours. It's a rush. But like a weekend, you have a chance to absorb that. I am so glad that you called. I see you. I see you being selfish, and I think it is great. What is also great is that it is time for thank yous. There should be no surprise who I am about to thank this week. I would like to thank all of the abortion care and reproductive care providers who are still operating. I would like to thank the volunteers who escort patients and support local clinics. And I want to thank all of the advocates who are out there in the states where bans have taken place in helping to aid and abet people being able to access critical health care. I want to... Thank all of those who are willing to run for office to make sure that our voices are heard. And I want to thank you for voting. This is it. It is time to vote. Now, how am I not good? Last Friday, June 22nd, the Supreme Court ended the constitutional right to abortion, leaving it up to states to decide if pregnant people have the right to abortion care. Huh. So we've spent years on this show talking about how once pregnant, we find ourselves in moments where our judgment is being undermined. Our concerns are dismissed and our preferences are ignored. And we have grown up with this narrative that we don't know best echoing in the back of our minds. Stefan just reminded me that, because I blocked it out, that when I went into the hospital to be induced to have Radim, we got there and discovered that my labor had begun. And so I requested that we then didn't like instigate it, didn't induce, and just to let me just go through it without Pitocin. But despite my requesting it, the doctors decided they would induce me with Pitocin because otherwise it would have taken too long and they knew best. And this is not an unusual story. In fact, this is almost a picnic story compared to the needs of pregnant people not being listened to or respected and it is this dismissal that is steeped in sexism and racism and why the maternal mortality rate is so high for people of color in this country and now the fundamental right to make the best choices for ourselves and our family is gone for many people in our country it places pregnant people in peril It places doctors in a horrible place of questioning how to best serve their patients without risk of arrest. It places people suffering from miscarriage at risk of scrutiny and unfair persecution. It places trans people at risk, and it places people of color at risk. I'm going to say one more thing. Abortion is always grounded in love, freedom, and justice. Is a decision that you make for yourself and your family. It is, in fact, the least selfish thing anyone will ever do. It is not complicated. It is about helping people to build their families when they are ready. Okay? In this week's show notes, there will be an extensive list of resources and information, including how to speak about abortion, how to talk to kids about it, and how to get involved. I highly recommend checking out the National Abortion Fund Network, which supports local funds, especially in places where bans have gone into effect. Also, going forward, all proceeds made from the One Bad Mother merch will be donated to the National Abortion Fund Network. So head on over there, Get some OBM merch. Get yourself a sweatshirt. We're going to be trying to bust out some new things in the shop over the next couple of weeks, including a trucker hat, as well as a new design. So go buy the merch, and we will donate that directly to the National Abortion Fund, which ties in nicely (laughs) to what we're going to talk about today with Kimberly Inez-McGuire. Of urge. Unite for reproductive and gender equity. Please take a moment to remember if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother,
3: you should assume that when we talk about
0: other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the hosts of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you.
3: Nothing we say constitutes
0: professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them
3: implies otherwise.
0: Oh my gosh, everybody, (laughs) I'm very excited and honored to be talking to Kimberly Inez McGuire, who is an award-winning communication strategist, queer Latina, reproductive justice advocate, and lifelong policy wonk, with more than a decade of experience creating and implementing winning strategies to reshape the public narrative and policy landscape. As Executive Director of URGE, Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity, Kimberly leads the organization in building a world where all people have agency over their own bodies and relationships, and the power, knowledge, and tools to exercise that agency. Kimberly brings her work with URGE, comprehensive intersectional experience with youth leadership, wins in federal and state policy, and campaigns, and deep roots in reproductive justice organizing. Why on earth would we be talking
4: about that today, everybody? Welcome, Thank you so much. Yes, my bio at this point is a (laughs) list of things that they are just continually messing with. (laughs) Check check it scratch it out uh-huh. i know you're right
0: that's uh, you should change your bio <laughs> to be everything opposite and then they'll try to fuck uh-huh. with you that way i by, like this right you'll
4: fake them out uh-huh. the
0: yeah that's right. <laughs> gotta get creative all right well before we get into the urge organization and your work please tell us who lives in your house
4: Absolutely. So uh, living in my house, we have a small, delightful, but occasionally quite annoying cat who may or may not try to knock off all of the precariously placed uh, technology keeping us on the phone today. So we'll see. <laughs> and replacing the cat in yes. my uh, home in my heart is my one-year-old baby, who is uh, an absolute delight. Uh, she ah. just started walking oh. in earnest. <laughs> She uh, is just amazing and wonderful. And I haven't slept in a year, so well, yeah. that's fine. Well, that's I was going to say, like, <laughs> like, here's the thing. I, I know what
0: one-year-old is code for. <laughs> and I know what delightful means. That uh-huh. is probably all very true, that the child is delightful. Mm-hmm.
4: But I have to ask you then, really, how are you? <laughs> you know, um, I, it's been interesting talking about abortion this oh, week because sure. you know, I'm I'm a single mom and I have a flexible job, I yeah. have reliable child care, I have privilege and resources, and I am tired all the time. Yeah. Forcing this on anybody is so fucked up. Oh, I like Agree. It's like oh yeah. We, okay. The whole... Parents, no. And and the thing is, most people who seek abortions, by the way, are parents. I know. And so know exactly what it means to become a parent again. And this is a decision no one should be forced into. I want to go into
0: what is urge and what brought you into this sort
4: of work? So I have been... Following the path of reproductive justice, if you will, since I was 17 years old. I was really fortunate as a young activist in college. I got to actually meet Loretta Ross, who is one of the mothers of the reproductive justice movement. I heard her speak and I yeah. said, okay, this is, this is my life. I want to dedicate my life to reproductive justice. And for me, as a young queer Latina, I looked at the feminism that was kind of mainstream and being presented to me and it felt very white and very straight didn't feel like it was connected with my life experience. Right. And then I thought about and looked at the sort of examples I had from like civil rights and like Latino civil rights leadership. And that also didn't feel like it was holding the queerness and, you know, women. And so there was something when I, when I encountered reproductive justice and saw that it was created by Black women, brought to Black, Indigenous, Latina and API women as a framework to bring together women of color politically across race, gender, and class, it all made sense. Oh, well, I got to tell you, that was
0: insightful. I appreciate that, right? Like, I mean, because I think I can pick and piece and, yeah, so gender studies, women's studies, minor in college, you know, like, (laughs) but, like, I did not know that origin of reproductive rights Okay. Continue. I just wanted to say that was a really cool story. Thank you very much.
4: Well, and I have been, you know, really, really grateful for the leadership and the scholarship of women of color and black feminists in particular, who were making connections around race and gender literally decades ago, right? That our country is sort of kind of just starting to catch up to, (laughs) you know? And, And one of the things I did as a young activist in college was I actually interned for the organization that I'm now the executive director of. Wow. And it was an amazing experience. You know, I was like 18 and I thought, okay, I've got an internship. Like, what am I going to do? Like, make photocopies, right? Right. I was just happy to be there. But actually, it was a place where, as a young person, I was listened to, people cared what I had to say, they they actually valued my input, and that stuck with me, right? As a young person, so often young people are dismissed, they're misunderstood, they're disregarded. And so I was, you know, years later, after I'd done work with the National Latina Institute for Reproductive Justice, with communications shops and other places working around these same issues— When I had the opportunity to become executive director of URGE, I just jumped at it because this is an organization that is putting young people's leadership front and center. And in this moment, I think what's really important about URGE is we are organizing young people in the South and the Midwest, and we are working. Yes, for reproductive justice, we're also working for LGBTQIA liberation, and we're working to defend democracy. So we are an organization bringing together young people to, in places like Ohio, Alabama, and Georgia, defend democracy, defend trans young people, and defend abortion. So we've got our hands full. I was gonna say easy we're peasy, peasy. lemon squeezes really <laughs> Is what wild. is that? What's your timeline? A week, like you know? I mean, you know, we we just we spun the wheel of uh, challenging issues, yeah. I guess. Um. Well,
0: no, I, what that wheel, that wheel will just be spinning and spinning and spinning because uh-huh. it is. I mean, wow! I want to ask about encouragement. I've got a, a friend. She did a lot of grassroots work around homelessness. It was on the advocate side, and then. Joined the like works for one of our council representatives. And I said to her on the LA homelessness problem. Okay. That is, I said to her, How do you, how do you have hope? How do you do this job? Right. And she said, I do have hope. And it is very frustrating, but I do believe we can make the change, which I think is a minor miracle. Right. Like maybe it's like casting a spell, putting it out in the world and see what. But can I. Are you encouraged? I mean, after a week like we've had, not only after the years that we've had when it comes to trans and LGBTQ rights, as well as losing our fundamental right to choose what we do with our bodies. How do you feel encouraged? Tell me something inspiring. Wow. I'll just break out.
4: I'm just going to break out into song, I think. Thank you. I'll Um, take it in song. (laughs) So uh, there's actually several things that give me hope, I have to say. So one is to remember that the opposition is attacking us because they are afraid of us. They are attacking abortion access because they know that When we control our own reproductive destinies, we have power and control in our lives, and that makes us politically powerful. So of course they're trying to control our bodies. We also know that they're attacking our democracy because they are afraid of being voted out of office. So it is encouraging to me in a strange way to know that (laughs) the attacks are so intense because they are afraid of us. And I'm really clear on the generation of leadership that is coming up right now, just to give you a a glimpse into young people. So first of all, young people 18 to 34 are majority people of color. They are majority black, brown, indigenous people of color. And the way that young people think about political issues is so different from previous generations. We just did a major national poll. And one of the things that we saw was for young people, two out of the top three issues were abortion access and racial justice and discrimination, and young people see these issues as connected. So when we look at what? Who, who are right, who are the generation of young people that are coming up? First of all, they are more queer and trans and non-binary than every generation before. I they can are see majority that in my kids BIPOC. middle school. There you go. They're (laughs) majority BIPOC and they are working and organizing and mobilized around the intersections of race, gender, sexuality and class. And so that power. Oh, and by the way, the last three election cycles, young people have been out to vote in record numbers every time. So this idea of, you know, this mythology around like young people don't vote, it's not true. It hasn't been true for years. Young people are engaged and they are pissed off. And so what we're seeing in many ways is a proportional backlash, right, and fear of the rising power of young Black and brown and queer and trans people. But guess what? They're rising nevertheless, right? And when I think about, you know, what is happening now in terms of young people organizing with abortion funds to make sure that people have logistics and money to get abortions across state lines, when I think about in particular the ways that young people are also helping each other access abortion pills so that they can safely and effectively self-manage their own abortions on their own terms and at their own homes young people are figuring out ways to care for each other and to fight back under the most heinous attacks and so that resilience that is what gives me hope. And that's and that's where my responsibility is, right? Like, within this organization, it is our job to support, to nurture, and to elevate and lift up that leadership. Because also, young people aren't just fighting to get back Roe. Because let's be real, well, right. Roe was yeah. never good enough. Roe left now, out poor people. Roe left I, out people, you know, who couldn't jump over 15 hurdles to get an abortion. So it's not about restoring Roe. It's about fighting for the rights we have never Actually had.
0: Oh my God! I love you. All right, but that is exactly okay. That goes right into where we are now versus where where we were. Yeah. Like many things that have changed in our country, and I am very grateful to the network of listeners for this show who have not only let me know when I need to, but encouraged me kindly to continue to learn as much as I can about these changes. Language being the biggest one, as well as being mindful of history, but not letting that set the future as well. So like, in this case, I think that this is a perfect example. There is new language that we should be using as we talk about this, reproductive rights, and recognizing trans people who are also at risk without having abortions. You're right. The intersectionality of LGBTQ and BIPOC, right? And that we aren't actually back in the 70s. We're not Roe. I want to start there. Talk to me about what is different, some good, some bad, but like where we are now in this moment. Yeah.
4: So much has changed, and I'm so glad you asked this question because I do think that there's been a little bit of this narrative out there, this idea of, like, going backwards. We're not going backwards. For, for better and, some in some ways, for worse, yeah. we're going into this this new future, right? right. So I want to start with technology. So when we look at reproductive health technology, we are in such a different place. We did not have abortion pills before Roe. We now have mifepristone, misoprostol. These are safe and effective pills which have been used now for decades— around the world for people to end their own pregnancies. And in some cases, that was going to a clinic and getting a pill from a doctor. In many cases, folks have gotten pills on their own, maybe from a pharmacy, maybe from online, and they've ended their pregnancies. These are incredibly safe medications. They're very simple to use. And that's really different, right? So when we talk about what does it mean to self-manage your own abortion, we have safe and effective options. That's one huge way in which things are different. Okay. Now, a bad way in which things are different, or a dangerous way around the technology, is surveillance technology is much more sophisticated.
0: Yes, I and was so reading you know, this
4: on your site, and I wanted yes. to go jump out a window. Go ahead. It is, you know, I mean, we've all had the thing, right, where we were like, "Man, I could really, you know, go for tacos tonight," and then all of a sudden, your phone starts trying to advertise <laughs> like tacos, right? God so, damn like it. the de- the devices are <laughs> listening, right? We have bugged ourselves. We didn't need the government to do it for us. We bugged ourselves, and we have period tracker apps, right? So, yeah. like, you know, as someone who, you know, back when I was trying to get pregnant and I was using reproductive technologies, you know, I needed to know exactly when I was ovulating. So, right. I'm using these apps. Well, guess what? If you are using those apps today, they could be used by law enforcement to try to figure out who is pregnant. So, one thing for your sack. listeners to know: I just have to say, sack of garbage. <sighs> Yes. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, for folks who do want to use an app, there is a an app called the Yuki app. All right, write it y- down, uh, Gabe. Write it y- down. <laughs> Y-U-K-I, Yuki app. It is the only reproductive health tracking app that was designed with security concerns in mind. And wow. it does not save or share or sell your information the way that a lot of them do. So the, the surveillance technology is really intense. And just to give you a glimpse into it, I mean, when they want to ban abortion, They have to enforce that. And that is enforced by government agents. It's enforced by police. I'll give you a glimpse into the real dystopian where we're going. So when immigration officials wanted to control young immigrant women who were in custody, who were in ICE custody, they had a spreadsheet of their periods. Literally, government agents with a spreadsheet. And by the way, these were like 15, 16-year-olds, okay? So the, the kind of infrastructure that is required the technology that's going to be harnessed to try to figure out who is pregnant, when were they pregnant, did they leave the state, did they miss a period, right? We are having real, real concerns about how data is being shared. There are also concerns about how people are finding information, right? Because on the one hand... There's really important information about, you know, abortion pills available online. But the question is, you know, are those going to be buried in a Google search? Are they going to be buried as folks are trying to find them? So technology, you know, in terms of the reproductive technology, we've got pills. Yay. In terms of surveillance technology, it's a real concern. And the last thing I'll say around what's changed is I think there is a much you know, marginalized people have always known that we're marginalized, right? So we, you know, right. <laughs> bisexual people have always needed abortions. Trans people have always needed abortions, right? Abortion bans have always harmed Black and brown and Indigenous people the most. Unfortunately, I think a lot of those stories were not, were not told the way that they're being told now. And so what I'm hopeful is that we're able to have a different conversation, right. recognizing that abortion bans are racist, that attacks on abortion are racist attacks on Black and brown communities, And that we are lifting up not just including trans and non-binary people in the conversation about abortion access, but actually understanding the unique needs of trans and non-binary people. And I'll just lift one piece up. So on the conversation around self-managed abortion, even so before all this happened, right, when at least theoretically there were clinics in most of the country trans and gender expansive young people were more likely to self-manage their own abortions. And part of the reason for that seems to be that an abortion can be a very gendered experience. And a lot of clinics are very gendered, right? They're not kind of welcoming, even like the names of clinics, right? It's like women's health, this and that. So for a trans man or a non-binary person, it can be really dysphoric to go into a clinic that's not affirming your gender. And so when we talk about self-managed abortion, even where we have clinics, We need to understand that there's particular barriers that transgender and non-binary folks are facing, and we have to eliminate those barriers because everyone should have access to the full range of options, and that takes understanding folks' unique circumstances. I'm just going to let
0: us all sit in that for a second because that's, yeah, that's, I am so torn about where to go next with you, Kimberly, because we could go and talk more though I'm not sure it would be helpful except more rage-relieving about the history of control over pregnant bodies and how controlling access to reproduction. I mean, we could go all the way back to your uterus literally gave that guy cancer when you looked at him. 500 years ago, all right? It can make frogs fall from the sky. You a whore and a witch, unless you're making a baby, right? Like, I mean, it has forever been used. And that's 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 just like history of white women. Right? Like, that's not even the forced hysterectomies, the forced, you know, like I it I or the like,
4: we could just scream. We Honestly, could we just could just scream. scream for 30 minutes straight, and yeah, that would probably connect with a lot of your that listeners. That would
0: probably, yeah, just like, <laughs> ah! Okay, <laughs> we could, but actually, I. now that I've done a little screaming, <laughs> now that I'm making a little pearl inside my rage-filled <laughs> soul moving forward, because I think, especially in areas of our country where there are battles going on right now about inclusive rights, right? About using better language, about a clinic. You know, it makes you want to go, God, I just, all they want to do is give abortions, right? Like, just let them, right? Like, but making sure we're mindful of how we're using our language, like the experience of a trans person going in. And look, well, here's a question. Traditional narratives of who gets abortions. Mm. Compared with, or up against, the historic narrative of who deserves one, who doesn't. Well, it's your it's your damned if you do, your damned if you don't. Well, right. right? You asked for it, right?
4: You were outside walking around. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> well, right? Like the tower I know. Power and control. I mean, this is so. The piece about the narrative is really, really important because for for those of us who are looking to be, you know, supportive in building this movement in this moment, yes, we have to make sure we're lifting up just like normal people's experiences, and that seems so so basic. But I'll give you an example, please. Biden's speech. Yeah, n- not my favorite. Not my favorite. <laughs> he got very wrapped up in rape and incest exceptions. And I want to be really clear. As a survivor of sexual violence, I do not think that anyone should be forced to continue a pregnancy that came about as a result of violence. And the, the only reason someone needs to get an abortion is because they're pregnant and don't want to be. Right. And we have got to right. stop this practice of creating a hierarchy of, of reasons for abortion, right? If, if, if you are pregnant and you want to get an abortion because you already have a kid and you want to focus on being the best parent you can be, you should be able to get an abortion. If you are pregnant and you're in school and you want to be able to finish school, you should be able to get an abortion. Actually, we should not be in the business of, of no interrogating way. people's reasons. And that's the problem. I had that's a skin the tag the
0: size of an arm growing out of my back but I didn't need to tell anybody that I was taking that off even though my youngest had said it was their friend and had given it an wow. now, that a name. Wow. Did you draw disgust. a
4: face on it? I'm sorry no. that's a separate conversation. No it is.
0: Some <laughs> kid came up to me once and was like you got gum stuck on your back. Anyway everybody knows the story. This is the show but the point is is I chose to share that information Right. Right. Like, but, but you
4: shouldn't have to. Right. No, and, and have to. Exactly. 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 We've got to affirm that, you know, all people who have abortions are worthy, are yes. valid, are deserving of their rights. We cannot get into doing the work of the opposition of deciding right. who we're willing to throw under the bus. That has got to stop. Another thing that a lot of the politicians do that is troublesome is they'll use this language of, you know, oh, abortion is is hard or tragic or something like that. Here's the thing: for some people, right, yes. that may be their experience. What I am saying is not to invalidate anyone's experience. Whatever no. their experience is, it is valid. But we know from research, most people who have abortions got pregnant, didn't want to be. Most are parents, right? Knew that they did not want another child, decided to get an abortion. It wasn't necessarily a hard decision. And afterwards, they felt tremendous relief and they went on with their lives. That is the the story of so many people. And it's not lifted up because there is a fixation on, frankly, kind of a tragedy porn of lifting up these very extreme circumstances. and, And it's to the detriment, right, of just being able to have a conversation to say, guess what? Abortion's super normal. Lots of people need it. Lots of people have it. And for most people, they go and they get it and they're glad they did. Well, and let's. I mean, we can just take
0: a look at why it's easier to focus on the like tragic porn of it versus the fact that a woman wouldn't want to have had that baby. That oh, is my your goodness. whole exi- You are a magical vessel, and so <laughs> if you don't want it, you are. A monster, like a literal—so definitely don't talk about it. Definitely don't let anybody know you did it, and you were glad you did, because you would be—I mean, it's—okay,
4: we're moving on. Everybody take a moment to scream. (laughs) But I will say, I think there's an important piece here, which is one of the many places where those of us who are advocating for abortion justice find common cause with queer and trans and non-binary people is— the sheer fact of making your own decisions about pregnancy is a defiance of patriarchal gender roles, right? And right. it is those same gender roles and that same misogyny, that same patriarchy that exists to control queer people, that exists to control and deny the basic rights of trans people, right? It, because unless you are following an extremely... Narrow. test <laughs> narrow idea of what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a man, and there's right. a skirt and there's a baby, and, you know, if you're not doing that, <laughs> yeah. (laughs) Then then you're in violation. Right. Right. And so what we are seeing is the massive policing. And that's not like a euphemism. Like, literally, it is going to be cops who enforce these abortion bans. Let's be clear about that. Right. It is the policing of gender roles. Yeah. And we're already there. We're already there.
0: Take your time. Do a little screaming. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to have to wrap it up. So, because otherwise you and I will just sit here and clearly scream all day. Because I just vomit stuff out and then you turn it into actually like coherent, you know, helpful and insightful things. So I love it. So here's what I'm going to throw up next. Okay. How, actually, before we talk about taking action, I do need everybody to know that Kimberly is wearing the most lovely earrings. Kimberly is wearing these lovely papaya earrings slices of papaya earrings. And surprise, it was the first thing I noticed when she came on the Zoom. And it's going to be on the Instagram for people to see. Tell us the significance of the papayas.
4: So papayas, which are also a delicious fruit, um, the, the narrow end of a papaya is very similar in shape and softness to a cervix, and the inside of a papaya is similar to a uterus. And so papayas have been used to help train abortion providers because going in through the neck of a papaya and removing the seeds is similar to performing abortion care. And so nature gave us a beautiful tool that has been used around the world to train abortion providers. I definitely do
0: not go after a papaya in any way that would make me qualified to do an abortion. I'm like, whack. Anyway, fascinating. Uh, So not only have we learned that, but that I've been doing papayas wrong this whole time. All right. So I want to wrap up on how we can take action. I have thoughts, but that's based on very smart people that I've been following. So tell us how we can take action right now besides screaming.
4: Well, screaming is fun, but I'm gonna give you two things you can do. Ooh, I so get it, it's just two. Just two. Let's stay focused. So two things. So one, Go to kansansforfreedom.com, kansansforfreedom.com. We are still fighting to defend abortion access in Kansas. It is The fight is not over. And if you can make a donation today, you can help us get young people out to vote in Kansas, and we can actually hold on to abortion access in that state. So help us keep Kansas on the map for abortion access. Donate to kansansforfreedom.com. The second thing you can do is help us get the word out about self-managed abortion, particularly around Mifepristone and misoprostol. It's important that people have access to this health information. So if you go to urge.org slash... SMA Zine. That's urge.org slash SMA, like self managed abortion, Zine, Z I N E. You can check out our zine, which tells a beautiful story. It's a gender expansive story about young people and how folks are accessing abortion pills and ending their own pregnancies. This is information everyone in this country needs to have access to because it's going to be an important option. Um, it's an important option now. It's going to continue to be an important option. So get the word out and donate to Kansas for freedom, because the fight's not over.
0: Woo! Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us. It is a fucked up thing to suddenly be really needed to come out and talk. (laughs) Like, I wish this had just been, like, one of our regular, we need a really cool guest to come on the show moments, and not, oh my god, the sky is falling, it's raining uteruses! So I am... (laughs) (laughs) Also, now I'm only going to use papayas in every text I ever send to anybody, ever. There you go. Thank you for your work with Urge, as well as all of the other work you have done in changing our public narrative. That is needed in so many spaces, but the narrative surrounding having kids in your house has been one that is really just doesn't fit for a lot of us. And... The more we can talk about it and the more we can share our stories, regardless of what they're about, the more normal it is, right? So thank you. We are going to make sure we link everybody up to Urge and the work they're doing, as well as the zine, as well as the Kansas fight that is taking place right now, as well as to all the other sites that I've been mentioning throughout the show today. Thank you. And you, and congratulations on having a one-year-old in your house
4: I kept her alive for a whole year. You so, did it, and I'm out here fighting abortion bans. I so. know, I know. Oh, <laughs> honey, they, we all broken and haggard after
0: a one year old is uh-huh. in our house. All right, so I see you. I see you,
4: and you're doing you're doing such a good job. So thank, thank you. you, thank you for having me. Glad to be here, and you know, for uh, for my cousins, for my nieces, for my nephews, for my little one year old girl. Um, I'm gonna keep fighting. <laughs>
0: One Bad Mother is supported in part by Coterie. If you have a baby with sensitive skin or even eczema, you know how difficult it is when they develop diaper rash. Enter Coterie. Coterie diapers and wipes are made with the most gentle and safe materials to help keep your baby comfortable. Guys, I don't have babies in my house anymore. But I did get a sample of the Coterie diapers, and I gifted them to a family at my school who had a baby recently. (laughs) And I followed up with them, and I was like, hey, how did those diapers work? And the mom was like, they worked really great, and we did it. We signed up. So I think is a very valid endorsement. Right now, Coterie is partnering with One Bad Mother to offer you 20% off your first order plus free shipping when you go to Coterie.com and enter promo code BADMOTHER. That's Coterie, spelled dot com. promo code BADMOTHER for 20% off and free shipping Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. Uh, After yelling for a very long time, I went and started researching how to support local funds A friend of mine had a great suggestion that you want to make it personal. I live in California, okay? We are going to be one of those states, right, that hopefully will make it a constitutional state right. But I am going to see how I can support Alabama, where I'm from. I'm going to see how I can support Mississippi advocates, where my mother is from. I am, like, looking for Virginia, where it's one of my favorite places and where I'd like to spend my time when I'm eventually old, um, older, and just looking for things that are personal to me, as well as trying to stay informed. It's like talking to Kimberly about where we are now with this right being overturned and just trying to stay present and focused. So that's my genius. Hi, this is a genius. Although probably if I was really doing a better
3: job, I wouldn't need this genius in the first place. But here it is. So my kids got sunburned. So I should have prevented that or done a better job preventing that. (laughs) I tried, but yeah, anyway, Um, (laughs) they got sunburned and, you know, their shoulders hurt and it was painful to lay down to go to bed. Um, but my daughter had a good idea, which is to put on her rash guard, like her long sleeve swim shirt. And yes, they should have just worn that outside, but that's a whole other story for a different phone call. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, the like smooth swimsuit material and the long sleeves, like that did the trick. So they've been sleeping in their long sleeve swim shirts the past couple nights. I don't know if it actually feels better, but who cares? They say it does, and they've been sleeping well, so genius. But, yeah, probably in the future, just wear the long-sleeve rash guard Mm. when you're in the sun. Like, that's what it's for. But we didn't – but now it's sort of like a cool, smooth item of clothing for them to sleep in while their sunburn heals. So, yeah, I suck a little bit, but the Mm. genius was listening to my daughter's idea, and it's working. So there you go. All right.
0: Everybody's doing a great job. Thank you. Bye. Also, not caring if it's actually working when it works. I don't want to know how it works. I don't want to know how the sausage is made. I just want to eat it. I don't want to know how this long-sleeve sun guard shirt is helping my child sleep. I just know that they're sleeping. And, in fact, I might have my children wear a sun guard to sleep all the time, even when they're not sunscreen. Maybe it helps them sleep. (laughs) I... I love you, and I really needed to hear this call today because it makes me remember how great people are, that you were great. And I just appreciate that we all know that there was a fail in here, but that we have moved past focusing on something like that, celebrating the wins. You are doing a really, really good job. Failures. Fail! 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 You suck. Well, it's summer, and mosquitoes are back. And anyone who listens to the show knows that Raiden is delicious. And despite buying every device that could possibly prevent mosquitoes, including all the new wire cutter recommendations... Seen them in the New York Times and I have bought them. One, I just let them run and then run out of their juice and their batteries. So that's not a good use of them. And uh, two, I just hate seeing that kid eating up. I hate it. I hate it. It makes me feel bad. I'm not sure, like, we put the spray on and then we put the cooling spray on after the bites. But like, she gets eaten at night. We have our houses sealed. I don't know how these one or two mosquitoes get in. They're just like, yum, raiden. That's all we want. And, you know, I hate it. I don't like it. That made me feel good. Makes me feel like I'm somehow failing because I cannot prevent this from happening.
1: Hi there. I am calling with a little fail that turned into a big fail. So I was not paying attention to my own needs and did not replace my toothpaste. This is going to become important in just a moment because I've been using the unflavored toothpaste my children got from their pediatric dentist. Cue this morning when I go to brush my teeth and I'm not paying attention and I brushed my teeth Mm -mm. with hemorrhoid cream. And I didn't even notice, because unslavored toothpaste and hemorrhoid cream apparently taste exactly the same. So I was totally unaware that this was a fail, until my bottom lip went numb. So, yeah. Great day. Thanks.
0: I love you! Oh, I feel so much better. That, aw, oh, did I just, like, let everybody just kind of release? That was almost better than primal screaming. We've learned a lot that non-flavored toothpaste tastes the same as hem- This is something I would have probably won. Like a kid would ask, does that taste the same? Right? Now you have an answer. Thank you for doing the science for us. That is nice. A lot of failure in this. But you took that failure and you swallowed it. And just, you took care of it. You did it. And... I appreciate you sharing it because it makes me feel better.
5: (laughs) You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call
3: you on the phone. Al Lapland here with breaking news on a revolutionary form of entertainment, professional wrestling. For more, we go to our correspondent, Danielle Ranford.
4: Professional wrestling is the craze that's sweeping the nation, featuring Visticuffs. And colourful costumes
3: But who can help us make sense of this world of body slams? Lindsay Kelk has the answer
4: Sources tell us of an amazing podcast called Tights and Fights Filled with discussions of the absurdity of professional wrestling
0: Plus all the sincerity and hilarity that you could shake a stick at
2: Listen to the Tights and Fights podcast every week Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts And your old-timey
3: radio
4: Hey there, I'm Ellen Weatherford.
2: And I'm Christian Weatherford.
4: And we've got big feelings about animals that we just got to share.
5: On Just the Zoo of Us, your new favorite animal review podcast, we're here to critically evaluate how each animal excels and how it doesn't, rating them out of 10 on their effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics.
4: Guest experts give you their takes informed by actual real-life experiences studying and working with very cool animals like sharks, cheetahs, and sea turtles.
2: It's a field trip to the zoo for your ears.
4: So if you or your kids have ever wondered if a pigeon can count, why sloths move so slow, or how a spider sees the world, find out with us every Wednesday on Just the Zoo of Us in its natural habitat on MaximumFun.org.
2: Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, everybody. It is time to listen to a mom have a breakdown.
5: Hi, one bad mother. This is a rant. It's Sunday after the Roe versus Wade overturning Supreme Court decision was handed down on Friday. So it's been, you know, 48 hours or so. And I've been real upset about it all weekend because, you know, I, I care about having control over my own body and about other women having control over their bodies and all childbearing people being able to control what happens within their own uteruses, but, you know. Anyway, I've been upset about it all weekend, and, you know, I've been bringing it up more frequently than is probably comfortable for some of the non-childbearing folks in my life. And my partner, who is a wonderful partner, wonderful husband, so supportive, feminist, wonderful father, He rolled his eyes this evening when I brought it up, as in like, oh, here we go again. And, you know, I just, I just can't. I just can't with this right now because I just, it is such a big deal. And to even expect that I would have come to terms with it in any regard in these 48 hours, I, I just, it just makes me even more livid. And it just, I... You know, I, I don't want to assign any gender-based labels to the people at whom I am most angry at, um, although certainly there are certain, three certain people, four certain people, five certain people in the Supreme Court who, uh you know, might warrant that. But um, when my own loving, supportive, feminist husband gives me the eye roll that says, can you maybe move on? Do you have to right now? Does this need to be so upsetting in this moment? No, no, I'm grieving. I'm grieving. You do not get over grief in 48 hours. You know, it, it's it's just it's just too much. So I'm just trying to keep my cool. Trying to figure out how to talk to my kids about it put it in terms of consent, put it in terms of permission. I'm very proud of them for understanding that as much as they do. Proud of my partner and I for having taught that as well as we have. I just need to get through this grief and come to the other side with a plan before I can tolerate anybody rolling their eyes at me about this. So, I'm really trying to do a great job, even when the highest court in the land is really fucking it all up for me. So thank you very much. You're doing a great job too.
0: Bye. You are doing a good job. And I am in awe of how how much grace you are giving all of those around you and how much grace you are using to avoid the bottom line, which is that you are pissed. You are super fucking pissed and sad and enraged. And sometimes we just have to allow ourselves to feel that traditionally women and anger have been frowned upon and I think losing a fundamental right to control over our own body is angering And you are right. You don't need to accept I I Look, I love Stefan more than anything. And he is so supportive and feminist and all the same things that you have described. My anger, especially over the weekend was so high. I didn't get an eye roll, but like there were one or two times where he like used language about something that seemed dismissive, even though I knew he wasn't being dismissive. But I mean, the death look that I gave him and like my toe it just went to what? What exactly was it that you were about to say? Oh, no, I, what I meant was, okay, right? Like, I, like, it's okay for you to be super best, right? Like, there's no, I, like, sorry, you get to be. You get to, you're right, you are grieving. And we are all going to grieve in different ways at different times. And I think, why... This rant is important is because just like we say, we should be starting from a place of just assuming we love our kids (laughs) as opposed to saying, I mean, I love them like using, I love them making all these excuses before we talk about how tired we are or how lost we are or how unlike a self we feel or how depressed we are or just that we just are fucking done. But I love my kids, right? Like, I, I got it. Got it. Don't waste your breath on selling me something I already know. Use your breath to express your anger and your frustration. And I think the same is true of this. We need to give each other grace and space as we vomit our rage and we're going to step in it when we're raging. We're going to make mistakes when we're angry. But if we can be kind to each other, then that will help us each get through that rage together. So again, I just want to say you are doing a really good job. Do not apologize for your anger ever or your grief everybody this was interesting interesting show <laughs> but as the show evolves and we all evolve as people with kids in our house and some of us not with kids in our house some of us just you know like the reality check 24 hours a day <laughs> everybody this has been a very hard week And I know that we try to say timeless, not timely, but that is hard when something happens that has such a timeless effect on so many. I just wanna say you're all doing a good job. It is even more important now to go out and listen to each other and see each other and support each other and until we find a place for our anger and rage the hotline is still going to be there and that is also a fine place if you need to leave it you're all doing an amazing job and I will talk to you next week. Bye!
1: I got to low down Gotta slow down mama blue, got to slow down mama blue, slow down mama blue, gotta slow down mama blue, gotta slow down
3: mama blue, know that right.